0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I think we've overemphasized one attribute of God is God. God is love, and he is. Um, He's also just. And and, uh, it's interesting because if you look at Romans 12, 18, it says, If possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. The next verse is, never take your own revenge. Leave room for the wrath of God. Uh, We went from, hey, let's live in peace together. And then his concept isn't go... doesn't go down to, well, guess what? God loves everyone, so it'll be peaceful. He says, leave room for the wrath of God.
1: And we're definitely living in a time where reconciliation is so important. We're joined today by Brian Noble. He is the Executive Director of Peacemaker Ministries. He's also recently released a book titled Living Reconciled. Today in Connections, he's going to share with us how we can navigate and mend even some of our most difficult relationships. Brian Noble is our guest today. He is an author as well as the executive director of Peacemaker Ministries. Tell us a little bit about that. What is Peacemaker Ministries?
0: Well, Peacemaker Ministries is a nonprofit organization that helps Christians and their churches to respond to conflict biblically.
1: Where did this start and why did this start?
0: So we were founded in the 1980s with the sole purpose of ha- helping Christians stay out of court. Um, since since then, we've been in 100 countries, 10 different languages of uh, just moving reconciliation and mediation services from a, a biblical worldview around the world. And um, I, when I came on as CEO in 2017, we moved to more of a pastoral approach versus a legal approach. And so... Yeah. So that's what we've been doing. We've been taking a conversational approach to biblical reconciliation.
1: And what made you decide to join them?
0: Well, I, I've been a pastor for 25 years and early on, probably in my early thirties, I split a church and I was like, God, there's got to be a better way to handle any conflict mm-hmm. within the church. I came across Ken Sandy's, uh, material and, um, and so then I, um, just started studying. That was probably I'm 47, so however long ago that was, 15, 18 years ago, I don't know, and, uh, and started studying. And, and God just really transformed my heart through his, his word and through his Holy Spirit and just understanding how we can live a reconciled life where we speak truth, but we do it in love.
1: You've been in ministry uh, for 25 years as a pastor. You're only 47 years old, so that's basically half your life. That's right. What would you say so far out of all that has been the best part?
0: Well, I would say the best part happened seven months ago when my son got, or not my son didn't get married seven months ago. He got married a couple of years ago, but he had a baby. So so uh, that's been the best part, having a grandchild. No, I'm just kidding. But in ministry, uh, I would just say just growing and watching and watching um, congregations grow spiritually and, and numerically and all those kind of things. But just to really uh, see people's lives changed by the power of the gospel, where the light bulb comes on. And uh, they, they go, wow, I, I didn't know I can be set free from lots of things, not just like the big things like alcohol and those kind of things, but really like shame and frustration and all those kind of things that mm. can seep into our hearts and into our minds.
1: You have a huge passion, as you said earlier, for reconciliation and reconciliation amongst churches and relationships. You recently put a book together called Living Reconciled Seven Ways to Bring Peace to Your Most Difficult relationships. Tell us a little bit about that book and the inspiration behind that.
0: Yeah, so I had I'd originally written a book called The Path of a Peacemaker, and it was a conversational approach to biblical reconciliation. And what we find is, is that oftentimes it's the event is, that goes really well. They have a great conversation, but how do you maintain reconciliation after you've done that? Or maybe like someone doesn't want to enter into the conversation. So my second book, Living Reconciled, is really about that. Like I started noticing a lot of our clients saying things like, well, they don't want to reconcile or we reconcile, but then they, it all fell apart. And I started diving into the scripture and saying, is that really a proper view of reconciliation and, and coming across scriptures? Like while we are yet enemies, we were reconciled to God. Right. I mean, just mm-hmm. crazy scriptures that challenge us to a different perception on reconciliation. And I came to the conclusion that nobody can steal your reconciliation. It's based squarely on the cross and on what Jesus has done. Now, they may be able not, or maybe some relationships should not be reinstated. In other words, uh, we may not go have potluck with them, especially in those extreme cases where there's abuse or those kind of things. But we can still look through the lens of um, the cross towards someone who doesn't want to be reconciled. So I, I started studying 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about, um, about reconciliation and noticed some things that Paul writes as kind of like challenges or charges to, to the people or attitudes, you might say, uh, towards the people to, to really help live a reconciled life.
1: Or oh, what a perfect time to release a book like this um, because not only do we, you know, experience Issues, you know, within our family yeah. and friends, but we are seeing huge animosity between huge groups of people that aren't wanting to reconcile at the moment. So, what a perfect time to release this! When you were writing this, did you know that the timing of this was going to be so perfect?
0: Well, I didn't quite. Quite <laughs> frankly, I had a multi-book deal that I had to come up with in this <laughs> book. If I'm, if I'm really, if I'm really honest, um, I, I do know that. Um, the, the style of the writing, I, I wrote it from like a coach's perspective to a player. So it's a little bit different. Like, instead of saying you might think about, I'm like, I picture like a basketball court and I'm on the side saying, no, you are controlled by Christ's love, right? Like the coach yelling out at the player <laughs> so that the player begins to say, I am controlled by Christ's love. That was kind of the perspective. And I, I didn't, I guess I didn't really realize that in our culture, we were going to have such a shift where we can't, uh, and this is going to be an exaggerated statement, but we can't really agree on anything. I mean, we can't agree masks, vaccines. We can't agree on, um, you know, grocery stores, where, how we fly. I mean, like I didn't realize that. And yet now I see it and I'm like, man, we need God's word setting deep into our hearts and to have a new conversation, a godly conversation going through our minds and our hearts towards those that we love. How
1: do our earthly relationships and the conflict that we face in them affect our relationship with God if we're not really willing to reconcile and get to that point?
0: Well, it's interesting because in, in 2 Corinthians 5, it, he says, as much as you put on these new clothes um, so or clothe yourself with heaven. So you think about this. We have the um, ability to either have a biblical attitude mindset or to have a bitter attitude mindset, as much as we want to put on uh, Christ in, in 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 those moments. And so, in our families, this is where this is where this whole argument's coming from. And nobody can steal that. Nobody can no. They can't come and say, "Well, because I don't want to be." So you're just going to have to live in bitterness or this tension or whatever, because the peace or the shalom of God that can come over our hearts when we have that that God perspective, our attitude. It, it just transforms us where we can be completely at peace with someone else, even if they're not at peace with us. And so um, I just think that it, we, we need to put on um, what God has for us and, and allow his attitude, the same attitude that Christ has uh, to flow through our hearts and our minds.
1: Where do we start? Uh, for a lot of us, there might be that, you know, that deep anger and frustration. And it's like, uh, no, I don't want to start this. But where do we start?
0: well in chapter one of the book I talk about that we're living in a, in a battle zone that we will groan we will ache we don't want to be found ne- naked naked you know those kind of things and so the first thing is knowing that we're not in heaven this is so important so many Christians think that somehow <laughs> that this earth is even is heaven or like everything should be just here right now or so it's getting that foundation like hey we're not in heaven we're not in hell but we're in the middle of a battle and so in the middle of a battle have that expectation. Number two is understand an eternal perspective where heaven is a real place and that we are headed there. We're in a journey for that. So getting that perspective of where we are is the beginning. And then we take our attitude and through prayer and proclamation of God's word, we can be transformed by the faith that comes through God's word, where we begin to say, listen, God, what you say about me, that I am controlled by Christ's love. That I don't regard uh, others according to the flesh any longer, and those are all faith steps, right? I mean, sometimes we have to say those things ahead of time before we ever see the outcomes of them, and so and that's where we can start: is understanding where we are right now. We're in the middle of a a war zone, you might say, um, where there are temporary tents, right? That's what it says in Second Corinthians five, but we're headed to a, a great a great place um, called heaven, and. Um, and then we begin to take control of our minds and our and our thoughts.
1: Now there are going to be some people that are not willing, not willing to reconcile, not willing to give in, quote unquote, give in. Um, how do we reconcile in that kind of situation?
0: Well, when so let's say um, let's say that I'm unwilling and you are willing, right? <laughs> Let, let's let's put it that way. So, if you're willing to reconcile with me, but I'm unwilling to reconcile with you, you can begin to look through this. The, the second Corinthians five really is where, where all this comes from. You can begin to look um, into the, the word of God and say, Okay, so Brian doesn't like me, doesn't want to be around me, doesn't, you know, those kind of things. Um, and begin to say, But even though Brian's response is an ungodly response, I am going to be have a godly response and begin to take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. I'm going to begin to look at him through Christ's eyes, which, remember our Savior, when he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, right? They didn't, they didn't understand the whole implication of that. Now, either <clears throat> Jesus was lying, which he wasn't, um, or he had a different perspective. And his perspective was an eternal perspective. And he wasn't saying they don't know that they're crucifying me because they did, right? They, they could physically see that. He was saying they don't understand the full implications of this and what is happening right before their eyes, right? The full The fullness of that. And so you can have that same attitude that Christ has. Like, hey, Brian, even though Brian's coming after me or has a bad attitude or doesn't want to reconcile with me, he doesn't fully understand that there's an eternal perspective uh, for this. And for the person who wants to go deep, go to Genesis chapter 45. Joseph gives us, uh, I think it's eight or nine illustrations of this perspective shift uh, with his brothers. And it is powerful because he says, I'm no longer a victim of my brothers. I'm now victorious in the things that God has for me because my perspective has changed.
1: It's beautiful. What can come out of that?
0: Yeah, it is because I think too many, too much of our culture thinks that we're, we're victims We're we're held captive by the bitter person who doesn't want to reconcile it. In this illustration, I'm saying that's me, right? We're held captive by that. And we're not because God is bigger than that bitter person. (laughs) So, so anyway,
1: it's all about looking at it really in a different perspective, which can be extremely challenging.
0: It can be. And that's where, um, I had a, a lady one time say, but, Pastor Brian, how often do I have to do this? I said, I don't know. How often do your thoughts wander? Hmm. She says like a thousand times in the day. And I said, well, then you're going to have to do this a thousand times (laughs) in a day. There is no magic pill to take or fairy dust that we can spread over ourselves to change our stinking thinking, right? We have to begin to take control of that and allow God to wash over. And his truth resound way more than whatever our thoughts are or our fault you know whatever else is going on in our mind and our hearts
1: in this book you talk about seven courageous attitudes of reconciliation Uh, can you tell us what that means and where these attitudes come from
0: sure so uh the foundational scripture is philippians 2 4 which says have this attitude in yourself which was also in christ jesus And then when we took that and we overlaid that over 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so if you, if you look at 2 Corinthians 5, um, he starts out for the love of Christ controls us. Attitude number one, I am controlled by Christ's love. And what, what that is, is if you take the word love and you're not using the gushy love that we talk about oftentimes in our world today, but look at a biblical definition of love like patience. I am controlled by patience. Now you may say, I don't have patience right now, right? You know, and um, but the fact is, if the Spirit of God lives in you through the through the blood of Jesus Christ, then patience is there. We just sometimes have to uncover it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so I, I am controlled by Christ's patience, you know, and, and begin to believe the promises of God uh, that He says. So that's that's courageous attitude number one. And then and the next verse is courageous attitude number two. And he died for all so that that they who live might no longer live for themselves. In conflict and in times of not being reconciled, I can guarantee that either one or both parties are living for themselves. So it's a courageous attitude to begin to proclaim over your life and to believe that I'm no longer longer going to live for myself. Um, And I'm going to live for a life of humility with the other person. Um, and towards the other person. Number courageous attitude. Number thirteen. I mean, number three is uh, mm-hmm. verse sixteen. Um, I no longer recognize anyone according to their fallenness or their flesh. Wow. Because when I'm mad mm-hmm. at someone, that's all I want to see is what they've done wrong and how they're wrong and you know, and to and to convict them and to try them. And so these attitudes come right from Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, and it's basically verse by verse where they come from. It's a it's a reflection. Uh, reflective thought of that verse and saying, what is Paul saying to us about um, how we view others and ourselves and our ministry, that kind of thing.
1: When I'm listening to this, it's, I hear a lot of, Oh, it's constantly thinking about yourself. You're not reminding yourself that God is with you, that God is there to help you through this selflessness. You need to to involve that in your life and remember there are others besides yourself. There's God always there.
0: So do you, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you do recognize this, but that is totally counterculture because everything about our culture, our social media or whatever Mm. it is, is saying you are important. You are, you need to be noticed. You need, you know, and it's all (laughs) screaming that stuff. And, and then we wonder why we have so much depression going on in our world. And I now I want to say this: there is depression that's caused by chemical imbalances. So don't get me wrong on that. But there's other depression that is really just uh, us trying to have the whole world focus on us, and when they don't notice us, we're depressed about it. Um, and so when you think about the scripture and the attitude of Christ, He became selfless, just like what you're saying, and 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 He had a different perspective. Um, I, I've said to thousands, as I speak across the United States, I've said guess what? You're just not that big of a deal. And, and I'm not that big of a deal. None of us are. And when we have that level of humility, that God is the one who's the big deal. It transforms us and frees us because we're not trying to be noticed all the time. Um, we're simply step, stepping back and saying, God, uh, I want to glorify you and bring honor to your name. It
1: is amazing how the world can change, how reconciliation can happen when you actually get to that point in your life. Amen. At the end of your book, the cool thing about your book, you also include devotions. Yeah. Tell us about that.
0: Well, because I believe that um, reconciliation and maintaining it has to become a lifestyle, not just an event. Uh, And this is where I think a lot of us, you know, we want to check the box and say we're done. I thought, well, what if I put a devotion at the end that helps people to get into God's word for 31 days, right? So that mm-hmm. they can kind of form a pattern in their life. And so I asked the question, basically, you know, what does it mean to be reconciled? And so the, I took 31 opportunities, 31 days of uh, to answer that question. Why be reconciled? And just took different scriptures, uh, that, that we can have on this topic and, and hopefully looked at, um, the heart of God of why be reconciled. Um, and just answered that for for 31 days. Um, and, and really challenging ourselves to not make it just an event, but really making it a lifestyle. Because if you've had deep, hurtful relationships, like I, I've experienced in my life, I mentioned some of those in the book. Um, it, it's not just a, a one time, and then I'm done with it. It really is a daily process of setting your mind on the things above and not on this earth.
1: Because you can, in situations like that, if you've experienced something hurtful, it it can stay in your brain for years and years and years Mm -hmm. and years down the road.
0: Yeah. And, and smells and environments and all these things can re remind you or, you know, they can't trigger you. If you want to use that language, Um, they can remind you of those things. And so I like to tell uh, people, maybe they've been in a domestic violence situation or something, that you are not a victim of a smell or a thought or tr- take control of that. Now, don't put yourself back in an unsafe environment. You know, that's we don't have to do that. Um, get ourself to the point of safety um, and and understand when that ha- when that trigger happens or that thought reoccurs, you you begin to proclaim the these promises from God's word that will help you um, to reset to reset um, th- those events, because God, God is a God of freedom. You know, you think about that. Like, he who the son has set free is free indeed, and that is even from those who abuse us. Or maybe, maybe at some point we've abused someone else in 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 our words or teasing or whatever. You know, I mean, there could be all different levels of abuse. Um, but um, yeah, we we want to be set free, and so and walk in the freedom that Christ has already provided.
1: At the end of the day, there is hope and there is reconciliation.
0: There is, when we get to, in the presence of God, <laughs> um, it is going to be a powerful day because I think we've overemphasized one attribute of God is God, God is love and he is, um, he's also just and, and, uh, it's interesting because if you look at Romans 12, 18, it says, if possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. The next verse is never take your own revenge, re- leave room for the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we went from hey let's live in peace together, and then his concept isn't go doesn't go down to well guess what God loves everyone so it'll be peaceful. He says leave room for the wrath of God, and that is that is a powerful thought to think about peace and the wrath of God. And I don't know how that plays together, right? I I just don't. I mean that's that's polar opposite in my mind. Mm-hmm. But for somehow God is able to bring all those things together. And to, um, and to bring justice into our unjust situations that either we have caused or experienced, and um, to walk in that newness of, de- of life at the end of the day.
1: For our listeners that are looking to reconcile and want to learn more, want to pick up your book, how can they go about doing that?
0: Well, the easiest way is to go to peacemakerministries.org. Um, it is available in every major bookstore and on Amazon. Uh, we, do, we, we do let people know that the way that Peacemakers is funded is through uh, book sales on our website. So when, when it goes through other sources, we get, we get less of an income from that. We get a, you know, So peacemakerministries.org. Also, I want to let you know is that if you search Peacemaker Ministries in your uh, Google App Store or your Apple uh, App Store, there's an app that will walk you beginning. Uh, to end through conflict. And it's free. Uh, you click Start Navigating Conflict, and it will help you from beginning to end uh, walk a path of reconciliation.
1: Thank you so much for making time for us today.
0: Hey, thank you. You have a, a blessed day.
1: And thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again or to any of the conversations that we've had on Connections, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastbill.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe and to leave a review while you're there. We'll talk to you again on Connection.